0: Had another episode. Everybody thought we'd be done just like Tom Brady a few years ago, but here we are. Just, we never stop. And today, we got somebody who never stopped. Uh, Skinny Vinny, what the hell is going on?
1: You, what's up, man? Uh, thank you for having me. I, I really appreciate it.
0: No, absolutely. Thank you. And its I just told you and your PR guy, Tom, kind of a little bit of a milestone. We don't usually have uh, people reach out uh, telling us hey let's do an episode I and mean, it's happened but it's not uh it's not it doesn't feel as important as this message you want to get across here so yeah I feel lucky to have you on man and i'm excited to get into this this is a wild story
1: yeah man i i appreciate it yeah dude i since uh when i left la a couple oh man, almost two months now um I wanted. I, I've just had this big fucking idea and this picture in my head of like what is next for us, and these ideas are just so fucking big, and I'm just trying to get as many ears and as many eyes, and uh, not just on like our content, you know, just also on the message itself, you know. So I I, I told my my buddy Tom, I was like, listen. I think the way to go is to just reach out to as many podcasts, magazines, newspapers, uh, TV stations, uh, radio stations, you know, and just and just shoot our shot, you know, and just just try to get as many ears and eyes onto what we're trying to uh, bring to the table as we can. So I I just I I saw you guys on IG and I was like, hey, I I like what their I like their message. Let's let's do it, you know. Like as long as as long as like somebody's message co-aligns co- with ours just a little bit, you know? And, and my story in general, it has so many different avenues that we are able to reach out to different outlet, different like kind of outlets, you know, either sobriety, skateboarding, stunts, comedy, you know? Um, so that, that's the beautiful thing about it. We can just go, there's so many different avenues we could take.
0: No, what, and what you were saying, I mean, Tom mentioned it when he first hit me up, he basically said, you embody a doer, what we call a doer—people who do shit. You're bold. Yeah. Oh, clearly, your story's wild, and we'll get into it. But I, I completely get what you're saying. I mean, I think you can hit on a lot of different themes. You're kind of like a chameleon. Shit, you blend into every important aspect of life. Here.
1: Yeah, I, I try, man. It's um, I I got this piece of advice from a, uh, my buddy Stevo, and he he was telling me. That um, how he did it was he he took doing drugs and alcohol so seriously and for for able for him to get sober and especially long term sobriety, he had to take getting sober just as serious, if not more serious than he did getting loaded. You know what I mean? And in all aspects. And it's not just like like getting sober isn't isn't just like removing the drugs and alcohol. It's it's a it's a lifestyle. It's changing every aspect of your life down to behaviors. And, and for me, it was everything, man. It was the way I walked. It was the way I talked. It was the way that I I, I looked at the world. It was um, everything, you know, and it, it dude, even down to my, my name, like my whole life, I was called Joe and my, 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 my real name is Vincent Joseph and But when my father passed, everybody started calling me Joe because Joseph was his name. And I looked just like him. It was even on my high school diploma. So my whole life I was, I, I went by Joseph. So w- when it was time for me to actually fucking give up and like get sober and change my life, I had to change everything. And I, and I was like, fuck it, I'm going to go by Vinny, you know? And I had to change everything to my first name, the music that I listened to the um, the people, obviously the people who I hung around and um, and it seemed to, it seemed to work, man. And, and now, now looking at it, like Vinny just fits me better anyway. <laughs>
0: Believe I love it. No, it's it's yeah. a badass name, you know, it's unique. And um and I'm glad you just mentioned and well of course we'll touch on it, but yeah, when you were talking about, you know, starting to get sober, you had to change everything. You know, yeah. you walk, where you dress, what you listen to, what you eat, I'm sure, what you think about. And yeah. that's a the big theme of our podcast, kind of the subconscious mind and the power of the mind. Yeah, and how far it can take you. So I'm sure that helped a lot.
1: It did, man. It it really did. And I just I wasted all my twenties. I I started getting loaded, loaded when I was 15. Right. It it didn't get bad, really bad until I was 21, 22, but I wasted my whole twenties. And, um, now I, I feel like I don't have any more time to waste. And I, and I've just had like, especially like the time I've had tomorrow's my three years, my my three year sober birthday. Thank you. And, um, so these last three years, it's like, I've had tunnel vision. I've, I've, I know what I want. I know who I am. I'm happy with who I am. I'm content with the person I am. So now it's just like my eyes are on the fucking prize and I'm going for it. And I feel like if I, if I didn't do these things that we have planned now, I would regret it for the rest of my life. And that's one thing that I made a fucking promise to myself was when I'm on my deathbed, dude, I want no fucking regrets. You know what I mean? Like if you have planned, it could make me or break me. Like financially, everything. It could make me or break me. But I don't, I don't care about that. I, I, what I care about in life is just fucking going for it with no regrets whatsoever. Absolutely. And that's, that's really, that's like the message that I'm trying to put out, especially like life doesn't have to be boring when you, when you get sober, you know? And that was a huge thing that scared me to get sober. I was like, fuck dude. Like I live in Connecticut. It's a depressing state. If I get sober, I'm going to be fucking miserable. I'm going to have to work a bullshit nine to five, which there's nothing wrong with, but that's not for me. You know, I don't want to be unhappy, miserable and sober. Like if I'm going to be miserable, unhappy while I'm sober, I might as well be getting fucking loaded while I'm while I'm unhappy and miserable. You know, so that's one of the reasons that scared me to, to actually give sobriety a, a chance was just to have a boring life. And it doesn't have to be like that.
0: No, and I'm glad you brought that up. I'm very glad you brought that up because, I mean, I'm I'm a younger dude. I'm in my 20s. And, uh, sometimes I'm a little freaked out by, you know, slowing down in life or growing a little older. Cause I want to remain youthful, you know, yeah. I want to be energetic. So I'm glad you brought that up right there.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, but let's, so let's do this, let's do this and let's start just kind of give everybody an intro as to what you're doing now. Cause I mean, you're all over the place. You're far from boring. I mean, you'll get, you'll get it. If you look at your social media. <laughs> a so yeah. what, what have you been up to, man?
1: Um, so right now I'm currently in my hometown, Old Saber, Connecticut. Um, I have been here for about a month now. I, uh, back in December, I think it was December 8th. I packed up all my shit, put it in my car and I decided to go on this like seven week tour and, Mm -hmm. um, and just do as much as I can meet as many people as I could help as many people as I could on the way and just get as much content as possible. And that's what I did. I, I started in L- I started in L.A. went to Phoenix, um, El Paso, Corpus Christi, San Antonio, Dallas, Houston. Then I ended up in uh, Orlando. Then Maryland, Philly, Jersey, and then I ended up here. And I've just been uh, on. I, I have this idea. I, I've been lucky and blessed enough to uh, to have the opportunity to buy some property in Texas. Um, it's, it's really what we need for what we want to do. Um, Who
0: who is we here?
1: Uh, me and my team. Um, so it's, it's me, Kyler, Vic, Blazer. Um, I'm trying to, I'm trying to get my buddy Tom here to join the team. Um, and, uh, and a couple other bros, but, um, because I just have this idea of, so if you, if you think of, you might be a little young for this one, but Viva La Bam, Nitro Circus, Um, All these shows that were out in like the early 2000s, you know, 2008, 2009 era, and you just combine them to like all those shows just had a baby. That's what I'm trying to make. But I'm also trying to put the, the recovery aspect in it as well, you know, because back in those days, all those dudes were getting loaded. And it's and I looked up to those dudes, you know, like not just not just the Nitro Circus jackass CKY, not just those dudes, but like professional skateboarders, like Andrew Reynolds and and all these dudes that were just getting so drunk and so high while making these pieces of art that we just admired and loved so much. And I'm trying to do this sober, and I think that's a a, a one big reason that is getting us out there is because we do do this sober and people ask us all the time. And Hey, you must've been so fucked up while you were doing that one, huh? I'm like, nah, dude, I'm actually three years sober. They're like, what the fuck? You know? So I think, so I, with me, the, the, with me and, and my homies and, and Tom involved, Tom is just so smart, you know? And I think all of us together, we have a, a, a very good chance on making this a reality. And so I'm fucking going for it, you know?
0: Absolutely. No regrets. You don't want to be on the deathbed thinking, what if, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, and really quick, back to that point, whenever I hear about, uh, you know, somebody on their last legs in the hospital and they always ask these people, what do you regret, right? Like, what are you, what's your biggest regrets? It's literally, I feel like always that I didn't try this, that I didn't do that, right. that I didn't follow this dream, right? So I can totally see why you're doing this and I respect the hell out of it. And so to your point, yes, I was a little young for these shows, but I can kind of put the dots together that you were looking up to these people that were high off drugs. You're high off life. You're now high off life, right? Well, <laughs> yeah. probably looking back, it influenced you, no doubt to get into drugs.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. They, I, I, I don't know if they were uh, any uh, maybe um, an influence for us to get loaded. I, I think the the main influences for me to get loaded were just I I I didn't like who I was. Um, I I had this emptiness in me that I just I, I just wasn't I wasn't happy. You know um, I I, I might have looked happy on the outside, but um, and it's and it's hard to go back and really pinpoint those things because like we like in high school, we were like, we were like cool with all the different cliques in, in school. Like we had a lot of friends, you know, we, we, we had good grades. We, we traveled a lot, you know, we, we, we weren't rich, but we weren't poor, you know, like we had an okay upbringing. Um, but there was just with me personally, there was just something that I just wasn't okay with myself. And, um, and I think once I did find drugs and alcohol, it, it masked, all those feelings and it filled that void that I was like trying to fill my whole life. And it just numbed everything, you know? And, and then, yeah, like those, those people who influenced us for what we do now, they, they played a little part. Um, and the beautiful thing about that is all those dudes who were loaded back in the day, like Steve-O and Andrew Reynolds and bam, they're all fucking sober now, you know, so Steve-O's got, I think 12 years now. Um, yeah and and brandon novak brandon novak is a huge inspiration to me now and he was a gnarly one he was like sucking dick on the streets of philly for some heroin you know like and he's not gay (laughs) Like,
0: (laughs) wild that's definitely wild i would kind of think that is wild yeah so and these guys are all sober they came full circle you're saying
1: yeah they came full circle and um and I'm blessed to uh, like to so to so grow up and have looked up to these guys and to now like some of them I have relationships with now. You know, it's, it's, it's a complete mind fuck to me. Like I, every day I, I think of it and I'm like, dude, how? It, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Like I've had posters of all these dudes on my walls growing up my whole life. And now I'm able to go to Bam's Castle and skate and film. And now I'm, I'm going to be meeting up with Steve-O this weekend in L.A., you know, it's just, it's a, it's a trip.
0: Life is a trip. Life's an yeah. absolute trip. And I, I want everybody to understand how crazy your story is from the beginning too. Cause I, like I said, I just watched one of your interviews today. um, And I was, I was literally in Target shopping, just doing you know, normal shit. <laughs> I was listening to this. I was like, no way. Like, this is not, like I, at some points I'm like, are you making this up Vinny? Like, yeah. I don't even know it's real, but let's get into this. Let's get yeah. it from the start. Like kind of your you know um, journey with drugs, we'll call it. How yeah. Did it start. Let's let's just get
1: into it. Yeah. So um, it started at probably I think it was maybe the age fifteen, and just like most people, started off with weed and drink, drinking and just hanging out with the bros and partying, trying to get laid. You know, parties after school, and um, that's really how it started. And for me, uh, my father passing when I was two he got hit by a drunk driver when he was on his Harley. So growing up, it was just me and my mom. And so when I did try smoking weed for the first time, me, me and my mom had a very close relationship. She was more of a best friend to me than she was an actual mother, you know? And um, so when I did try smoking weed for the first time, I felt like I was like holding something from her. I was like, I, I have to tell her she's going to be mad, you know? And, And I told her and she was like, Hey, as long as you're not sticking any needles in your arms or putting anything up your nose, it's fine. You know? And my mom being an ex heroin addict, um, I, I took that and I ran with it. You know, I, I, I fully took advantage of that and just, and just, I, I consider myself an extremist. I take everything to the extreme, even to this day, I take everything to the extreme. And, um, and then it it slowly progressed to from, from weed and drinking to um, hallucinogens every once in a while, you know, me and the bros eating some acid mushrooms, Uh, then um, Molly ecstasy, you know, late teens, like probably like 18, 19, we we would start taking like a lot of acid and a lot of ecstasy and combining them and um, like uh, following festivals. We'd go to like Dave Matthews and fish and, and, um, and just get as high as we can Good to go see these shows. And um, And then uh, it got to the point where like, okay, I can't be spending this money on all these drugs. So then I start selling. And, and so
0: just to interject, at yep. this point, like you're at festivals, right? You're having fun. You're having the time of your life. Mm-hmm. And your first warning sign in your mind was the money aspect of it, you're saying.
1: Um, I, it was probably a little bit before that. Were the 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 money side of it because okay so when I turned eighteen, I got um, a hefty amount of money from my father passing, and I, again being an extremist and never really knowing the value of a dollar and nobody teaching me the value of a dollar, I just went out of control and and bought cars and jewelry and traveled and and just the dumbest shit jet skis quads the like endless amount of Jordans and and I. I a long story short I was broke by the time I was 23 you know and um but I would use that money to buy large amounts of weed large amounts of ecstasy you know and I would sell it to all my friends and and not just the and then it went from selling it to all my friends to other towns and then other counties and different states and it just it got really big and My house being raided a couple times, me being arrested more than a couple times, you know, and um, making a pretty bad name for myself here in the shorelines of Connecticut. And um, I was not very liked here, you know, and especially when like the opiates came into the picture. Um, The opiates came into the picture when I was around 21, I think it was. And um, it was just as simple as me getting prescribed some pain meds. because my wisdom teeth were taken out those meds weren't strong enough at this point all my friends were already dibbling and dabbling into opiates like percocets and oxycontins and um i growing up like seeing my mother being an ex-heroin addict seeing what it did to her and i have a lot of other family members that are heroin addicts and alcoholics and stuff like that seeing what it did to them i just made a promise to myself that i was never gonna fuck with that you know I was just strictly going to stick to smoking weed, drinking booze, eating some acid here and there and just, and just doing that. Um, but once I, once I got the very first taste of a Percocet, it was just over, you know, it was, um, I, and I say this a lot. It was like a, a, um, a warm security blanket that just wrapped around me and I was just okay. And, it, it was like, I was, I've been searching for that feeling my whole life. And once I got that first taste, it was just, on, it was just on, you know, it's like, okay, I love this. I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. I don't care what anybody says, you know, and slowly then, then I start selling them and people are overdosing in town. I, I I'm getting close to overdosing at this point, but not yet. And um it just, it, 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 and then, Oxys come in the picture, other pain meds come in the picture, Xanax comes in the picture. And, um, I slowly start to sell everything, you know, um, it slowly started taking everything away from me. Um, and not just material things I'm talking like it, it stole my passion away from me. It stole the love away from me it stole the light from my eyes the light from my soul you know and um i turned into a person that i um i never want to become again and i slowly start selling everything all all my cameras because i've been wanting to do this filming stuff ever since i was 12 years old and i've had i've had all this amazing filming equipment uh, equipment you know and i would one month, one week I'm selling this camera. It's like a $4,000 camera. I'm selling it for 500 bucks. One week I'm selling my laptop. One week I'm selling this one week. And then slowly I just have nothing left. And then I'm just like, all right, fuck it. I'm 25. I'm not going to end up doing what I want to do anyway. So fuck it. Why even try anymore? Um, so I just, I turned into this person that just lost all love for anything, everyone, including myself. And, um, ending up getting kicked out of my house. Nobody, none of my family uh, wants to fuck with me anymore. Uh, and for very good reasons too, you know, like when, uh, when I'm in my addiction, I, I steal. Um, and I, and I steal from my loved ones, my close ones. Um, reason being is because they're easy targets. You know, they, I wouldn't say they're ignorant to the fact, but I think they're just don't want to admit it. I think it was, you know, and so I would go for the my loved ones, my mother. I've stolen countless amounts of money from her, countless amounts of jewelry from her, and um, so nobody wanted to be around me. And so I end up sleeping on couches, moving around here, moving around there, and I'm strung out on Percocets and um, just homeless here and there. And um, it got to the point where uh, a buddy of mine called me, and he's like, "Hey man, I heard you're struggling." come move up to Burlington, Vermont. I'll let you sleep on the couch. I'll i de- I'll help you detox. And, uh, um, you could stay up here for a while. So I, I move up there. Uh, it's like, it's like my third day detoxing. And I, and I see him and I see him going to the bathroom for a little bit. And I'm like, this dude has been in the bathroom for way too long. <laughs> and, he's been getting loaded the whole time in the bathroom while I'm trying to detox. So when I find out that he's doing dope while I'm like detox, so dope sick on the couch, sweating, shitting, pissing my pants, like just going through it. I'm just like, all right, dude, enough is enough. Like just fucking give me it. And that was the first time that I tried heroin and that was at 25 years old. And, um, the, the, with heroin, it's the same thing as Percocets and Oxys. It's just a lot cheaper and you get a little higher, you know? And, um, that was the first time that I started using needles too. up there. It was, um, that's uh, up in Vermont is where shit really fucking hit the fan. It, um, to the point of, uh, homelessness, homelessness up there in and out of treatment centers. I, before getting sober this time, I was never able to get past 30 days. You know, I'd go into a program, a 28 day program. I'd get out, get loaded, you know? Um, and I was involved with a lot of really gnarly shit up in Vermont because up in Vermont, it's the, the price of drugs up in Burlington right near Canada go for almost quadruple the price than Connecticut or New York City where it's really cheap. Wow. So I, I was involved in this gnarly fucking thing where I, at first I was a driver because uh, my connections were in Harlem or New York City. And I was like, yo, dude, like we could make a fucking killing up in Burlington. Um, So we started doing that. And um, it got to the point where I was driving back and forth from Harlem to Burlington, a six hour drive. And it got to the point where we would have almost $250,000 worth of heroin in a backpack and a bunch of guns and crack. and, um, And we were doing that for a long time and we were fucking killing it. And you think that I would be making a shit ton of money, but I'm using all this money just to continue getting high. I'd have a little money saved up, but I, don't, I, don't, I didn't care about the money. All I cared about was getting loaded. So um, the, the, my last time making the, the, the drive to Harlem, to, uh, to Burlington, I pick up the guy with the backpack in Harlem. We drive six hours with the Burlington. And at this point, they, they promoted me to making sales around town. So I get back to Burlington. I'm out making sales, come back home, go to bed, wake up 7.00 AM, start making the rounds again through town. And at this, at this time I had uh, three burner phones, um, maybe a couple grand cash on me, a lot of heroin and uh, a little bit of crack cocaine. And um, I get a call saying that the, the FBI and DEA are at the house. So, I throw out all the window I throw out the phones out the windows and I never looked back. Everything that I owned was at the, at the, the house, my, my clothes, I had a computer there, a little bit of money and, um, threw the phones out the window and never looked back. And so I was homeless. I, I was driving a, a 98 Ford Escort, uh, at the time. And, um, I was living out of that for, uh, uh about a month and the money that I had spent the, the drugs that I had on me did them. Um, and at this point, I'm broke, can't afford gas. Uh, I, I had a flat on the on the Escort, so I ended up uh, pulling over in front of a house that didn't lock up their Wi-Fi. So I was literally sleeping in the trunk of my Ford Escort, stealing Wi-Fi from the house, getting hot in my trunk. And I'm a big fucking dude, and this '98 Ford Escort is a tiny car, man. You know, so just imagine my little my big ass in a in the trunk of this car can't I can't spread my legs out it's it's a tiny trunk but just big enough for me to like get in there because up there if somebody sees you sleeping in your car the police are gonna get called so I would have to sleep in the trunk <laughs> you
0: know oh no that's I mean that's that's luxury right there <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> yeah yeah um so then um a- after a month of sleeping in the trunk um I was just like listen I I tell myself I can't fucking do this anymore so um I checked myself into a rehab and, um, I was at a place like Southern Vermont and I do the 28 days. I get out, they give me my phone back. I turn my phone on. And this is not one of your burners. Cause you talk, you ta- no, 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 not one of the burners. No, no, no. And, um, I, I turn my phone on and my phone's just blowing up and I'm getting all these texts, all these calls saying, um, John, one of our best friends, uh, overdosed and he's in the hospital up in Burlington, critical condition. So I'm freaking out. I get a ride up to the, up to the hospital. It was like an hour away. And uh, I get to the front. I'm like, listen, I, I'm looking for John. What room is he in? And they're, they're like looking through the system and they're like, we can't find him. Uh, he's not here. I was like, no, no, that's bullshit. Somebody just called me and said that he was there. And then they look a little farther and I just see the look on the, the lady's face. And she was just like, he just passed 10 minutes ago. And, um, and this dude was, One of my best friends. Um, So growing up, it was me, Tom and John, you know, um, the house that I'm at right now is Tom's house. John's house is right across the street and my house is 200 feet away, you know, so it was us growing up. It was the three of us. Um, So when I found out that he passed and I was 10 minutes too late, that really, um, really fucked me up. You know, um, it took me down a really dark place. And I, I thought that I've already been in the darkest places that you can get. Um, but it, it took me to this place where I just didn't give a, f- like, I don't care if I live or die. I'm not the type of dude to kill myself, but I'll go out gun guns blazing, you know? Um, so when I found out that he died, I just, I went, I called up one of my buddies. I had him give me a gram of dope. And I went back to the parking lot, of the hospital and overdosed in the parking lot and, um, a, a complete stranger walking by found me with the needle still in my arm and NARC me and got me up and left, <laughs> you know, um,
0: And he left
1: He left. Yep.
0: Do you ever think back to that moment? And even, I mean, why was that guy there? Why did he save you? Do you, do you ever think about that
1: every day of my fucking life?
0: You would have, you would have died without that guy, right?
1: You had. Yeah. to. Yeah. Every day of my fucking life. I think back to that moment.
0: Yeah. Do you think you'll ever know who this dude was? Is he a real person? Like what the hell?
1: No, I'll never know. I'll never know. Um, why I'll never know that either. And, and I, I tend to, um, I, I told this, I, I tell this part of it a lot too, is, uh, even to this day with three years sobriety, I, I have, uh, I tend to get the feeling of survivor's guilt a lot. Um, especially with me beating the addiction And not just living, like I'm thriving, you know, I'm more than thriving, I'm happy, I'm content with who I am. And for me to have done so much harm to so many people and do some really fucked up shit, why is, why did I beat the, why did I beat the addiction? Why am I living the dream that I have been dreaming of since I was 11 years old? And why did it just fall on my lap? I didn't go searching for it you know i had when when this happened to me i was this fell on my lap when i was two months sober i had no i had no intentions of staying sober i was in a sober living Uh, i was pretty much using it for a roof over my head a bed to sleep in and some food to eat you know taking advantage of the system using my health insurance you know i had i had no intentions of staying sober whatsoever and somebody Higher power, God, whatever you want to call it, was like, "All right, enough is enough." Here you go. You know, and right. I, I, it's it's the, it trips me the fuck out, bro. It really does. I and, can see why. I can see why. And and for 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 all this to happen to me, and for somebody like John, who is so sweet and so smart and so talented and so. Like wouldn't harm a fly. I make it through fifteen overdoses and one takes his life. You know, so I I I some I try not to, man. I really try to not ask myself why me, why why are these blessings happening to me? At first I did. Today, it the the feeling comes every once in a while, Um, but I'm. That's why I'm trying to use these, these opportunities to like really like spread a message and really try to help as many people as I can and try to have as much fun doing it too.
0: (laughs) Well, so gut instinct, this is the first time I've heard this story from you. I mean, if you got the survivor's guilt, that's one thing. But then when you ask yourself, okay, actually why me then I don't see a reason other than what you're doing right now and flipping that into this positive energy and going out to promote the story.
1: Yeah. yeah right yeah i agree it's um sometimes i get very overwhelmed with uh with the responsibility of um because just just after doing that knocking doors down podcast um i even before then like i get like because my, my story is public you know like a, a lot of people know my story of the homelessness and the, the porta potty and and then now all of a sudden being on, t- on on shows and stuff and working with my idols, like a lot of people know this. So I get asked all the time and for help and advice and and don't get me wrong. I love it. And that keeps me going. And I'm so grateful for that. But sometimes it does get a little overwhelming, you know? Um, but then when that happens, I just need to take a, a step back and just remember why we're doing this and, uh, and, and try to do this in John's name too. And, um, and and just keep the dream alive.
0: Absolutely. And trust me, I can resonate with you where, you know, you have this blessing and sometimes it feels like a curse at times. Right. And it does get overwhelming. And, uh, I mean, not, you're not going to have the same attitude towards your mission every single day. Right. Motivation comes and goes, but when you do, you know, just relax a little bit, take a look at the bigger picture. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. And you're thankful that you have the opportunity.
1: Yeah. It's, um, and, and again, don't get me wrong. I'm so grateful and so blessed of all these things that are happening in my life. It's just, it's very, it's very strange how everything is, has kind of, uh, unraveled for me. Like before, like th- three years ago tomorrow, um, I was fucking homeless, you know? And, um, all this stuff has happened to me while in sober living my, the past, since I was 25, I have been institutionalized rehabs, detoxes just in and out. And when I'm not in those places, I'm sleeping on couches or park benches or whatever, you know, I'm not living, I'm existing. Right. So for all this to happen to me in a fucking sober living, and then, and and it's not just, it's not just like, okay, yeah, I'm doing all this crazy shit. This is what I've been wanting to do since I was 11 years old you know? So it's not just like, okay, yeah, I'm having fun. I'm doing some cool shit. I'm hanging with some cool people. No, I've been wanting to do this since I was fucking 11.
0: So now that you put it like that, that's, it's insane. Because like you said, you were existing before you're just trying to get by every day. Yeah. You are now literally quite living the polar opposite of that. Yeah. Blessings on blessings every day. Your dream is falling in your lap. Like you're saying, Yeah. so I can, totally see why you're so overwhelmed sometimes. Right. Yeah, and you're it, questioning
1: it, why, Especially lately. Um, the past, the past few weeks, the past month, I I've been feeling, um, a little overwhelmed. And I, I think it's just being that, um, like I said, dude, I was institutionalized for so fucking long. This is the first time in my life where I'm, I'm free. I don't have anybody fucking over me telling me to make my bed. I don't have anybody over me telling me to clean my dishes. I don't have anybody over me telling me to telling me to, to uh, piss in a cup. You know what I mean? I am completely free. I have no structure and no accountability. The only accountability I have is myself, right? So to transition from being into a sober living for all those years, getting sober, doing what we've been doing. Also, when I was eight months sober, I got hired to to run the sober living that I was a client in. I, I became a man, I became a driver, then I became a manager. And then I became the uh, director of operations. So I ran two houses, a total of uh, almost 40 clients, right? All while living in the fucking same sober living. Like after they hired me, they, they moved me to the garage where I would have a little bit more privacy. But still, I'm sharing a house with 20 dudes. I'm sharing a bathroom with 10 of them. No privacy whatsoever. Like it's so congested in an in a, in a environment like that. So while I'm doing all that, I'm also traveling the country over and over and over again, working with our idols, working with these people that we've dreamed of working with, making relationships with these people. And it was just so much. It was like all these moving parts just happening all at once. And it all and when I fucking finally realized that like, okay, all you have to do is just be honest with everybody else, be honest with yourself and just continue to do the next right thing and help a few people on the way, things work out. It might not work out when you want it to, it might not work how you want it to, but it fucking works out. And that was the message that I was trying to tell my clients at the house. but that's hard trying to get through, uh, through people like that, you know, because when they see somebody like me, they're just like, Oh dude, you got lucky. Yeah. I, I did get lucky, you know, but I put in the fucking work.
0: You gotta be lucky luck. to be good. And you gotta be good to be lucky.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And when all these things are happening, um, are you looking at each event or blessing or positive happening? And are you, are you recognizing the weight of how important that is for you? Or did you all of a sudden look back a few months later and you're like, what the hell just happened? That was a blur.
1: Yeah. Um, there were some events that like my first year of sobriety, you know, um, uh, so the, the very first thing where I was like, Holy fuck, where am I? And how did I get here is when we were on stage with Wu Tang in front of 5,000 people in Chicago and doing live stunts. You know, they 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 hired us to do to go in between each each uh um each performer and do live stunts in front of 5000 people. That was an, an event that I was like holy shit. This is like this is real. Then another one is like working with Bam um and everything was happening so quick that it almost was like a blur, you know? And and it wasn't until like maybe a year and a half, two years where I was like, holy fuck, what we have been doing is actually like something special. And it's, and people seem to really like us. And, and that keeps me going, you know, it's, it's getting, it's getting emails and DMS from people. Like I I, I get this all the time hey man, I just want to say thank you for the content you make because I struggle with depression and anxiety and sometimes I feel like killing myself and when I watch you guys, it gets me out of that hole. You know, it's it's stuff like that that fucking keeps me going and, and like part of me is like, bro, I'm just a big dude getting kicked in the nuts, getting tased. Please don't like, come on. But it's just like how the jackass guys and the CKY guys did for us. You know, and and when we and when I hear somebody say, "Hey, yo, you guys are the new generation jackass, you guys are the new generation CKY," that's like, holy fuck, that's like the holy grail for us, you know. And and now one of us is actually in Jackass Four, you know. So really?
0: it's, yeah. yeah, wow, congratulations. That's insane. yeah, yeah. And it's funny because you said you're an extremist early on, so before you were taking that extremist. Tendency and propensity, and kind of you know, getting into negative things with that. But now here you are, and you're utilizing that because you know that about yourself. And now you're getting hired by all these big names. One of your buddies is in Jackass Four. You are an inspiration to other people. It's incredible. Like it, it's it's. I it.
1: Yeah, i i i really owe it to um. I owe most of it to to this. He's one of my best friends. His name Zach. He goes by Zach ass. And,
0: ass I was just going to say.
1: Yep. And um, he was, this is all public information. So it's okay that I'm talking about this, that I, I met him in that last sober living that I was at. He was a client already. And I, and I walked in there and I recognized him. I already knew who he was. I was a fan of his work and um, he saw this tattoo um, that I had on my arm and he's like, Oh, you have the heartogram tattoo. I was like, yeah. He goes, all right, me and you are going to be friends. Mm-hmm. I like, okay. Sick. Like, and then we got to get a little closer and I, he, I told him that I have a little experience behind the camera. I grew up filming skateboarding and, and then, uh, when Jackass came out, I, we mean bros would film stupid shit in the backyard. And, and, um, he's like, all right, well, I I need a filmer. You're going to come along. You're going to film one video for me. I'll see how you do. And we'll go from there. And I was like, all right, sick. And the first video that I filmed for him was, uh, we attached a boxing glove to a a gas powered RC car that went like 40 or 50 miles per hour. And we went down to Venice Boulevard and Zach laid down spread Eagle on the ground. And somebody drove the car into his nuts. And this video, this video blew the fuck up. It's getting, it got like a half million views. It, it, It was getting recognized by people like Tony Hawk and all my idols and, 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 so, I'm thinking, like, holy fuck, a, a piece of work that has my name attached to it is getting liked and recognized by all these people. And um, so when that happened, he was like, "All right, dude, you're in." And so it went from that to us flying back. and And this was right towards the end of uh, uh, of wrapping up for Too Stupid to Die, the TV show that they had on MCV. And so zach, they they would fly me out to um, to Indiana. I helped film promos for the show and and meeting all the rest of the crew like Kyler and Blazer and Chadwick and Tommy and Megan and um, everything just clicked very well. Like we, I got along with everybody and and it was like something that I've been searching for my whole fucking life, just like a group of people that are into doing the dumbest shit and just having fun with each other. That's it. You know, um, and then it just it, it was like a snowball effect. It was like, okay, I'm in Chicago. I'm in Indiana filming promos for an MTV show. Okay. I'm on stage with Wu-Tang in front of 5,000 people in Chicago. Okay. I'm in Dylan France or I'm in Zed's house filming with Zed and Dylan Francis. Okay. I'm at Bam's house filming with Bam. Okay. Now I, I have a podcast with Andy Roy. It was like a fucking snowball effect and it just kept going, kept going. And it still hasn't stopped to that day. It's just been nonstop madness in the best way possible, you know?
0: (laughs) And what's crazy is that your big chance, your big opportunity came in the sober living house. Yeah. From just a dude saying, let's go film.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and like, like I said before, dude, I had no intentions. Like when I, when I walked through that door, okay. Before that house, I was in another house. When I came from Connecticut to LA to try to get sober, I had no intentions of getting sober. The only reason why I came out here was because it's easier to be homeless in California than it is in Connecticut. It's the only fucking reason somebody called me when I was sleeping in that porta potty in Connecticut and said, Hey man, I heard you're struggling. I'll fly you out to LA. I'll put you in a place to get sober. I wasn't thinking, okay, yeah, I have an opportunity to get sober. I'm thinking fucking right, dude. Free, you're plane ticket. free, free plane ticket to LA. I'm taking it. So I go out there, I go into the program that he sends me to, I get kicked out the first, I think the first two weeks I was there for hooking up with a girl and getting high with her. So I was like, all right, fuck it. Well, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And so I I was homeless on Newport beach for a while and made my way North to skid row. And I stayed on skid row for a few months. And again, I was cool with it, you know? And, um, but I had a month's worth of insurance left. So, you know, me, I, I manipulate and take advantage. And like I said before, um, use sober livings just for a bed to sleep in for a few nights, some food to eat. And so I would go into these places, but I like misery loves company. Right. So I would, I would be in, a, I would be in a sober living and I like to take people out with me. I don't like to just leave by myself and go get high on my own. Like I, I like to take guys out with me, which is so fucked up. Mm. And, um, so the, the place I was at before designed for recovery, the place that I was in, um, I just, I, I convinced two guys to come get high with me. We're outside the, uh, in front of the house, waiting for the Ubers. And the, 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 the management of the house found out what we were doing. They come outside. They convinced those two to stay and they kicked me out, which I totally understand. Um, and I was like, all right, fuck it. I have money. I'll, I'll go get high on my own. And, uh, what happened next was um, I consider a spiritual experience that I've had before working the steps of AA. And um, so I was, I was on the curb waiting for my Uber. And um, yeah, I heard a literal, a literal whisper in my ear saying enough is enough. And um, so I, 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 I listened to it. I called the program director. I was like, listen, man, give me one more opportunity. And he's like, all right, I'll send you to design. So he sends me to design, and that's where I met Zach. And wow. yeah,
0: wow. So, between the whisper, we'll call it the whisper. Yeah, you know, like you know, there's the butt fumble in football, and there's just the moments we'll call mm-hmm. it the whisper. And then you had the, the random dude outside the hospital parking lot. Are those the two single craziest experiences?
1: Um, they're up there. Um, there's another one that um, that's happened to me that I, every time I talk about it it still gives me chills to this day. Um, And I in the timeline is this one. So I I had been, so I had been sober for a little longer than a year. Um, I had been working for maybe three months as a manager and we had this client um, and he was a little older, maybe late forties and um, really crazy alcoholic. Like, real deal alcoholic, but he wasn't like, he was like a high class alcoholic. Like he had money and, you know, and, um, but he, he just couldn't stop drinking. And, um, so he can't, he came to the house. He stayed for around six months, was doing the steps, doing great in the house, got a job, saved up some money. Um, and the six month Mark, he was like, all right, I'm, I I got this, you know, I I got this on my own. I'm going to go get an apartment, get a car, um, I, am I'm, I'm able to pay my bills now. And, then and, and me, I'm, I'm just like, listen, dude, you need more time. You, you absolutely need more time. You cannot leave. And he was just adamant on it. And so I can't force somebody to stay. So we let him go. And two weeks later, I'm sitting in front of a coffee shop, drinking a coffee, eating a donut before I go to a meeting. And I see this dude walking by maybe 30 pounds lighter, no shoes on his feet. Ripped shirt, um, a bloody eye, and he, he walks by me, and I'm like, "Is that is, is that him?" I'm like thinking to myself, "I'm like, is that him?" I'm like, "No fucking way, dude! It's only been two weeks. No way." And then all my clients, ten minutes later, he he walks away. Ten minutes later, my clients are walking because they all walk together to go to the meetings, and they see me parked. They're like, "Yo, did you see what's his name?" I'm like, "Holy fuck, that was him, right?" Another time, a whisper said, "You need to go find him." So I drop what I'm doing and I go drive around looking for him. I see him. I, I end up finding him, um, like leaning against the door of another coffee shop. The owner of the coffee shop's on the phone, ready to call the police. I pull up. I'm like, "Listen, he's a, he's an old client of mine. Let me. I got this. You know, you don't have to call the police." I had, a, I had an old pair of Vans in the trunk of my car, so I put some Vans on him and. Um, I, I get him in my car. I'm like, all right, dude, I'm taking you to a meeting. And he's belligerent drunk, like just like blacked out drunk. could barely talk. He reeks, you know? So I drive to the meeting. I try, I'm like holding him, trying to get him through the door. And he's like, I can't, I can't, I can't go in the meeting. I'm like, okay, well, at least let me get you a cup of coffee, a cookie. Maybe try to sober up for a few minutes then we'll go in. I get him. I get him the coffee, get him the cookie. And I come out and he's he's like, I can't go in. And I was like, dude, I don't know what, what else to do for you. You don't have any more health insurance. You don't have any more money. I, I can't, it's so, it's so shitty when that comes, when that happens because there's only so much somebody could do with no health insurance and no money. And so I, I call up my boss and my boss was like, all right, take him to the emergency room. So we get in the car. And at the time I was driving an old piece of shit Audi and I had a missing light and I end up getting pulled over on the way to the hospital. The cop looks through the window, sees him. He's like, all right, just keep going. Let's me go. We get to the emergency room and I walk in with him and I I see the doctor. I tell him what's up. And the doctor looks at me, shakes my hand and goes, you did good kid. I'm a friend of Bill W's too. Bill W being the dude who started Alcoholics Anonymous, which means he's in the program as well. Wow. So, so i
0: got chills yeah
1: i just got chills and so he's like i I got this from here and so i was like okay thank you so i walk out the sliding doors and the second my feet touch the sidewalk i get this overwhelming feeling of chills from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet and i just started crying uncontrollably for a good 20 minutes couldn't stop crying and that's and that's what that's what the program did for me. It it allowed me to believe in something greater than myself, you know, because I was very selfish and very, uh, um, very selfish and didn't believe in shit like that before I got sober. And that's what sobriety in the fucking program gave me, you know, like without fucking having some sort of higher power. Like I can't do this on my own. You know, there's no fucking way. Something out there is helping me get through this shit.
0: And to whom much is given much is tested. And I mean, you're, your childhood, it wasn't easy. And to get through all of your personal stuff after what you turned 18, that's not easy. And now I would probably say when you feel overwhelmed, it's because you realize I've beaten so many ads. I've came so far. I've, I can't stop anytime soon. I mean, yeah. that's probably overwhelming, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Dude, I get it. And again, congrats. This is, this is important because tomorrow's your three year. So yeah, that's yeah. huge.
1: Yeah, it's uh, for for somebody who can never get past thirty days. Um, for somebody to have done so much wrong in the world, and um, to to get three years, and to be able to do what I do and spread whatever whatever the message is I'm trying to spread, you know, to be able to do this, I'm forever grateful.
0: Absolutely. And that's got to keep you going at the end of the day when you do feel, you know, the weight of everything that's happened. Yeah. So congratulations. And I want to rewind, too, because obviously you got your huge break um, filming that video that went viral. How is that the first piece you had being connected to all these dudes? Did you know somebody beforehand or how did this work?
1: Nope, I didn't know anybody beforehand. That was my that was the first video that that my name was attached to, that blew up. And Zach already had a presence online. Zach was huge online. Um, At at that time, I want to say he had maybe 125,000 followers on Instagram. Um, He just pretty much almost wrapped up filming Too Stupid to Die. Um, He was all over. Um, He had clips on Tosh all the time. He had clips on Ridiculousness all the time. Um, so he was well known already. Um, so me having my name attached to Zach that helped a lot. Like I said, if it wasn't for fucking Zach, I don't think any, I don't, I don't think I'd be here talking to you right now. That's why I, I owe a lot of this to Zach. You know, um, don't get me wrong. I've put in the fucking work and, and I, and I was able to, um, transition from being behind the camera to in front of the camera now. Um, but yeah, man, it, it, that's that was the first piece of work that I did that got out there. You know, Granted, pretty much everything that Zach did always got some good numbers, but that was the first one that had my name on it. And I, I, I didn't have any social media. I, I, I had Facebook, but I hadn't, I hadn't been on Facebook for years. Never had an Instagram, no Snapchat, no Twitter so when i when i when zach was like all right dude you're you're in you know you're part of the crew i was just like okay i need to i need to start my own instagram you know just uh like the 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 caption was like oh zach is filmer you know and um so and and it just it's just started growing you know my, my following started growing a little bit and um and then the fir- the first time i did some on-camera work it was just by a prank they they um it was in the back of the sober living and we had this air cannon and he filled it with uh, with flour, and it was a hundred psi air, air cannon. And so he was in the backyard. He called me through the door, and he and he shot it in my face. And it, it was it was a hard shot. It even made my nose start bleeding. And um, a couple a, like a week later, the video did very well. And a week later, that's when we went to Bam's house for the first time. And Bam was throwing a big party, and so we go there. And I was starting to get recognized just from me getting pranked and I was and I was like fuck like this is kind of cool you know nah, I'm going like, to Yeah it. like I was like this is this is pretty fucking cool you know like I'm getting recognized just from just from a, a maybe a 30 second clip you know and um so after that you know we go to Bams and then we filmed with Bam and made made a really viral video at the the Rocky steps in Philly and um after that, I was like, okay, maybe maybe I'll make my own content, but I'm not going to be serious about it. I'm still going to like film everybody else and just do my shit on the side. And um, and then the second time we filmed with Bam was out in California. I had Bam Rocky me, you know, his like signature thing that he used to do in the Jackass movies, like throw water on one side and hit somebody on the other side with a boxing glove. So I, I had him do that to me. And um, that did pretty well. And I was like, you know what, fuck it. So the first stunt that I did... Was I jumped off this cliff um, somewhere in California, and I lit myself on fire while jumping off the cliff into the water? I was like, dude, this is fun, you know? Like this, like I need to keep doing this.
0: And you're literally on fire.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm literally on fire.
0: Like no fake flames. You're no no fake flames.
1: flames. Literally on fire, and I had no like fire suit, no nothing. All I had on was, uh, I, it was like two white t shirts. And uh um and a wife beater. And all I did was I, I put lighter fluid on the back and I and I lit it up and I jumped in the water, you know? And it's like if you think about it, you're only in the air for what two seconds? So it doesn't really it doesn't really give you the opportunity to to get burnt, you
0: know. No, and I mean I feel like through this story, you've had nine lives already.
1: <laughs> well so yeah, yeah.
0: You're not scared of head, right? Like
1: no, dude, honestly, so we've been doing I I've been doing this for almost three years now. And I just had my worst injury last Saturday.
0: What was that? What happened there?
1: It was a fire, a fire stunt. Oh, so, um, we're at my hometown, old Sabre, Connecticut. It's where all the drugs and, and all the crazy shit started. Right. I leave. I, I, I make a name for myself over in California. I'm doing really well. I leave LA, go on tour for six, seven weeks, and I come home for a little bit before I buy some land. And Tom came up with the idea of you need to do a, like a homecoming stunt, you know. And I was like, you're right. So I we I start thinking of like, okay, I'm gonna light myself on fire and skate across the the bridge. And it's, it's like, it's like the Phoenix has risen, you know, it's like the <laughs> Phoenix has <laughs> risen from the ashes, you know? And so, so I, so it was six 30 in the morning last Saturday. And, um, this is three days ago. What's today? Today's Tuesday, four yeah, days ago yeah, you know? and six 30 in the morning. And, uh, we're, we, we did it that early because we wanted it to look majestic with the sunrise. We were going to do it three takes. So we have a bunch of different camera angles and it was just, was rising, yeah. we were, yeah, we were going to have some Epic music in the background. And that was the plan. The first take I put way too much lighter fluid, <laughs> way too much. And I, and usually like most of the times when I, when I work with fire, I'll, I'll wear a few layers of clothing and, and a couple of those layers are wet, you know? And, um, I didn't do any of that. And I I put on a way too much lighter fluid and I'm up, I'm on fire. I like, I'm engulfed and I'm skating and first five seconds of it, I'm cruising on the skateboard. I'm enjoying it, you know? And then like that, I'm like, holy fuck, I'm on fire. I'm burning. And it, it got down all the way to my wife beater. I had a wife beater, uh, two shirts, two hoodies and my jean jacket. And it got all the way down to my wife beater. And I had three pairs of sweatpants on and then my boxers. It got all the way down to my boxers. So I end up taking off all my clothes and I end up naked on the old Sabre Causeway Bridge at seven o'clock in the morning on fire. No. And now I have blisters all behind my legs. And which really sucks because I have to be on a plane tomorrow morning for six Ah. hours.
0: (laughs) Ah, Okay. You you were kind of burnt toast a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Hey, how, how is that for a homecoming stunt, though? That's yeah. coming in style.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I, so, but it could have been a lot worse. So I consider myself very lucky that I haven't gotten very hurt yet.
0: Well, I, I mean, don't take my word for it, but I, I, you might be immortal. I don't know. We don't know yeah, yet. Right? We <laughs> died yet so we yeah, so <laughs> yeah, yeah. But so do we? Do you have any other just larger than life stunt ideas that you're saving, or can you even say it?
1: Um as of right now, I don't have any ideas. I've just been, um, that whole, the Phoenix risen homecoming stunt thing that was just like, so on the fly, like after being on tour for seven weeks and, um, and trying to, uh, purchase a house and land for the first time in my life and having to deal with some personal stuff, um, with family and, um, trying to work on my credit because I ruined my credit in my addiction. So it's, so right now I've just been dealing with like real life stuff. Um, so as, as far as stunts go, I, ha- I really have nothing planned unless we just come up with something that isn't, I, I, I don't want to get hurt right now because of things that I have to do, you know? And um, we, I have, I was on the show called send it city and we filmed, uh, um, I want to say like 13 episodes and I think we have four episodes left. So we have, I have some content still coming out. Um, I, I, I do have some, some stuff in my archive that I've never released. So I do have enough content to release on a, on a certain schedule until hopefully until I get to, um, to Texas.
0: You got the content for a one K stashed away.
1: Yeah. Ex- <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes. <laughs> Um, and then, and then when, like, like I said, dude, the plan is to just like, to go to Texas and I I have to, so tomorrow I I fly down to Texas and, um, I'm there for two days and then I fly to LA on Saturday, on Friday and, uh, I'm there for four or five days. I fly back to Texas for a day or two and then I come back here while I'm in Texas. I'm going to be looking for, um, an, an apartment to rent for a couple months and a a little job just to, just to keep some steady income coming. And um, when I find a place of rent to rent down there, I'm going to be down there for a few months and uh, hopefully have everything good enough and have a property that I have found with enough land, a house that's unique enough because I don't want a house that's just like a box, like every normal house. I don't, I don't want that. You know, I, I want it to be very unique and very like have character Kind of a play yeah. park, you know. Yeah, yeah. And um so so hopefully hopefully I'm down in Texas living in an apartment within the next few weeks, and hopefully I'm I have a property with a bunch of land within the next few months.
0: Well, I mean shit, you've been able to manifest damn near everything you've put your mind to in the past three years, we'll say, of course. And and I was gonna say, I'm glad that you found your way in front of the camera. You obviously filming was the big break, but you're yeah. oozing charisma, even over a zoom from thousands of miles away. You're born to be in front of the camera. So I'm glad I,
1: I appreciate that, man. I really do.
0: Absolutely. I mean, it's, I think you'd have to be, you you, 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 I don't know who wouldn't be able to see that anybody that's listening to this, even not even watching the visual is going to be able to know. And I think this is your calling. clearly you've had, you know, the whisper, the guy in the parking lot, you've had all these crazy things happen Yeah, come full circle. You've came too far to quit. I think.
1: Yeah, I I agree, man. And like I said, dude, I I think the main, the main focus and the main goal is just to have as much fun as possible and try to help out some people along the way. You know, um, life is way too short and it goes by way too quick to not have fun. And that, and, and like I said, I, I owe it all to fucking AA. I owe it all to my sobriety. I I owe it all to my higher power. I owe it all to the people who I surround myself with. Um, back in the day, I, I surrounded myself that uh, I surrounded myself with people that were just as miserable as me, and now now I I surround myself with people that have more than I do because it it, it makes me work harder. It makes me be better than the the better person than I was yesterday. You know. Yeah. Um, that that's the end goal, man. And I'm, I'm fucking doing it. You know,
0: you're doing it no, you're doing it. And I obviously assume then you subscribe to the um, you're the average of the five people you're around the most theory then.
1: Right. Oh, absolutely.
0: I think absolutely. that changed your life clearly. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Um, and, and I, and I try to tell my, when I was working in treatment, I was trying to tell my guys that all the time, you know, I'm like, try to find a group of people, And AA is a great place to do that. You know, like the the group of people that I met, like my support group, great people. Like I consider them family. You know, now that I'm across the country, like my main support group is in LA. And now that I've just been all over the country and ending up in Texas, like the support group that I made in LA strictly from AA, it's the best thing that could have ever happened to me. You know, it's because in AA, it's like the, the, the main thing is service work. The main thing is like helping the next alcoholic, the next addict you know, and like people, that's how people stay sober is from service. So, um, finding a group of people that have, that have something that you want and just continue being the better person than you were the day before.
0: Always improve, even if it's 1%, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And dude, I mean, I think what you're doing is very important because we alluded to it earlier, but when people looked at skateboarders and stunt men and, you know, women, if they were in that industry then, I'm too young to know. But I mean, they weren't the best influences, I guess, right? And here, are, here you are, you're promoting sobriety while having fun. People are like, you're high doing this right now, right? And you're like, no, I'm high off life. <laughs> like, I think it's just a huge paradigm shift in your industry. It's damn near groundbreaking. So it's, it's crazy to hear about.
1: Yeah. Thank you, man. I appreciate that.
0: Absolutely. And I, uh, I wish we could get this out on your three year anniversary, but I mean, well, it'll be about three years and probably a week maybe when (laughs) it's out there. So I'm happy for you, man. This is, this is an unreal story. Um, and I guess, is there any closing remarks or any last topics you want to touch on from an inspirational standpoint to some that may be struggling currently?
1: Um, yeah. Uh, I actually made a, um, a a post today on Instagram. Um, it was like footage of the last, tw- uh, very little amount of footage from the last 12 months. It was impossible to fit everything in three minutes. But, and my caption was, um, was if you're struggling, reach out and life doesn't have to be boring when you're sober. And it doesn't, life does not have to be boring. And it, as long as you just give it enough time, if whether you're in a structured environment like a sober living, whether you're detoxing on the couch, whether you're fucking in a porta potty, you know, um, it's just like giving it enough time, things get better. the the, the cravings do go away. Um, the The thoughts of whether it be depression, whether whether it be anxiety, whether it be suicidal, you know, um, it, they do go away because this disease is fucking gnarly. And a, a very cliche saying in AA is that the disease is outside in the parking lot doing pushups, waiting for you, you know, and which is fucking true, man. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a constant daily thing that you can't, you constantly have to be putting work in yourself and, and don't get me wrong. It's not easy work. If getting sober was easy, everybody would do it, you know? Um, but when you do give it enough time and you do like humble yourself and, and start to take, Uh, um, direction from people who actually know what the fuck they're talking about then things start to work out and just like I said earlier just continue doing the next right thing be honest with yourself and be honest with everybody around you things work out
0: the dominoes fall the dominoes Yeah. Everybody out there, if you were inspired, I don't know how you aren't. I'm ready to run through a brick wall with no- <laughs> maybe on, maybe on fire at this point. I don't know. <laughs> Please share it with your friends. We're on Instagram, Facebook. Uh, we're everywhere. Uh, Apple, SoundCloud, Spotify, wherever you're listening, share it with friends, share with people in need. And Vinny, thank you again for telling the story. This was crazy.
1: Of course, man. Thank you so much again for allowing me um, to share my story, giving me the opportunity and um, maybe we can do it again one day.
0: We're gonna do it again soon. I feel it. Oh yeah. Thank you, Vinny. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Maybe
1: maybe, uh, maybe when I end up getting this fucking property down there, you know, we could do a little check in and, and go from there.
0: Yes. I mean, God, I might become a stuntman now. I think I might just. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, man.
0: So, man, all right, Vinny, you were a treat today. Thanks for joining gold Perception. To Everybody, share with a friend. Have a good day.
1: Thank you. Day.